Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened and what it is like now. Um, our leader for tonight is Gail. Hi, thank you. Hi, thank you. My name is Gail. I'm a compulsive overeater, 100 pounder. Um, I come to you from my bed. I have shingles all up here. So excuse my appearance. It is what it is. <laughs> anyway, so um, thank you, Gail's not on here. So I want to thank her for speaking just in case she sees this tape. Um, I came into OA. I'll just start with what it was like. I came in, I'm a hundred pounder. I came and I just got, I am so dense. I just got what century meeting means. It's a hundred pounder century. Anyway, I'm very slow, I guess today. So I, um, so you can see this, right? Okay, you can see my, my thing. I keep looking at it. Um, I came into OA February 20th, 1989. I was pushing 300 pounds. I have pictures, which I will show you right now. Here I am in a muumuu. That's me in a muumuu. That was me at 265 pounds. And then I got even heavier here. I don't know if you can tell, but that's me and my nephew. So that's my, that's what I look like for the first 37 years of my life, pretty much is my, you know, I was pushing 300 pounds. And so I've been a hundred pounder. I've lost, I lost my weight. I've been maintaining the weight for like almost 30 years now. So it is by a miracle, but it's also by the desperation I feel every day that I'm in my bedroom right now, the closet's right there, and the disease is doing push-ups in my closet while I'm sitting here and talking to you. So I always have to be vigilant in my program. So I'm gonna continue saying what it was like. Um, when I was five, I was thin. When I was eight, I was obese. When I was 10, I was thin. At age 12, I started working in my father's cousin bakery, and I found my drug of choice, which, is, which was bread red flour products. So I just started eating and eating and eating and eating. I loved working in the bakery. I worked for loving family, but I could not stop eating. And I would work Sundays, Saturdays, and after schools. I would take bags of, gro of the bakery goods home with me at night, and I would put them in my bedroom. I never shared them with the rest of the family. And I just stuff myself so that by the time I was in high school, I was 240 pounds and it was hell. The disease for me is hell. I would rather, I don't wish that I'm, if I had a worse enemy, I would not wish it on them because it stunted my dating, my social life, my family life. It stunted everything. It stunted everything in my life. And then when I, um, so I was 240 in high school I went to college um, and I was very successful at my career. I was an entertainment business manager. So I excelled at my career, but I failed at relationships, at family, at anything else that, that would matter in a person in life, I failed at it. I was able to handle people, rich people's money and that was it. My life was in my 20s was about going to work every day, coming home, stopping at places to pick up food, getting to my condo, which was in West Hollywood at the time, and 
closing the door, drying the drapes, and eating until I passed out. And that was my, those were my evenings, every evening of the week. If I ever went out to a restaurant with another person, I never put the name of the person on the calendar. I would put the restaurant and the time because it didn't matter to me who I was with. I just knew I was going to be able to kill myself with food. And that's what I, I, I didn't want to kill myself, but I, I was doing that, but I, I wanted to be numb. And I knew that that worked. And I also felt that if I was very much obese, very much obese, that the fat would protect me from all the, all the, the world because I didn't feel safe. So I had no way to process any feelings or any um, emotions or any, I had no way to dialogue with people. I had no language skills. I was an accountant and I had great skills at being mean and telling people what to do with their money. <laughs> and I, I had staff galore to tell them what to do, but I had no skills and I didn't even know my needs was less, was, I was not able to um, ask for my needs. So I hope that's five minutes. You get the picture. My dating life sucked. You know, my 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 dating life was just not not functional. Even though it, I dated, but it was not functional at all. I have to say that this this disease was a killer for me. My twenties were about eating, and getting very successful in my business, and my thirties until I hit OA, which I'm going to tell you what what happened. I was thirty six, and um, I was at a Hanukkah party at my friend's house, December of 1988. I was 36 years old and I saw somebody called, his name is Jack Saul. I don't know if you, any of you, you all probably know him or many of you know him. He's my Eskimo. We went to high school together and he weighed 325 pounds. And like I said, I weighed 240. Um, I saw him, he was thin drinking a cup of coffee at a party. So I asked him, why are you just drinking a cup of co coffee at the party? And why are you, what's going on? Why are how are you thin? And I'm like, you know, pushing 300 pounds. So he said that I don't eat in between meals and he walked away. And he caught my attention by saying that for sure. And I asked him, I went up to him again and I asked him what's going on. And he said, I work a 12 step program called Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, we were at a party at my friend's house where um, she was an NA and all of her friends were 12 steppers. I thought I could really use to use this 12 step language because so, all, the, all the people spoke 12 step language and I didn't know what they were talking about. So I asked him to send me a meeting list and he did. He mailed it to me because in those days we didn't have email or internet. And I, he emailed, he, he mailed me the, the list and I went to my first meeting, February 20th, 1989. It took me that long to get the nerve to go. I didn't know what I was in for. I, the first meeting I went to was a writing meeting. It was a study, a step study meeting. And all I could do is cry through the whole meeting. It was in Van Nuys, California, right near where I lived. I lived in Studio City at the time. And I just cried and cried and cried. And I was taken by two lovely women to another meeting in West Hollywood the next day. And that is where I got a sponsor, which I had no idea what a sponsor was. What happened was, as I was going on the stage to get my chip, you know, a newcomer's chip, because I knew I was a newcomer. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew I was new anyway. So I went up on the stage, got my newcomer's chip, said, my name is Gail. And um, 
somebody came up to me and asked if they could sponsor me. And I said, what does that mean? She said, I'll help you. And I thought, okay, I, I had no idea I needed help. No idea. I had no idea. I always thought everything that was something wrong with everybody else that ate normal. When somebody would eat one scoop of something, I thought something was wrong with them. That why, It comes by the gallon. Why would you only eat a scoop? I, I just never understood that. So um, anyway, so I started working the steps with her right away. And she told me what to eat. And I ate what she told me, but I did it begrudgingly. I had to ask everybody in the room, is this what you're supposed to do? Blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And the portions were gigantic at the time because I was pushing 300 pounds. And um, so they were pretty large. And I, but I ate what she told me to do. And I started working the steps. And in 1989, they did not have OA books except for that one brown one. So we worked out of the AA books. And this book is my favorite book. And I started working out of the AA 12 and 12 right away. I took a red pen in my hand and I crossed off the word alcohol and I wrote in food. I crossed off the word, word um, glass and I wrote plate in hand. And I went through the whole book and on every paragraph I wrote. And I with my red pen, I would cross off the alcohol, put the food and you know make it sound like it was compulsive overeating rather than uh, alcohol. And I did that for my first three steps. And this lady that sponsored me was the meanest thing I've ever met in my life. But because she had a condo like I had, she had a nice car like I had, she had a job, she was a school principal, and that wasn't a job like I had. I was in her entertainment, but she had a good job. So therefore, I just thought, they're not supposed to be that mean, these sponsor people. So I asked people, and they said, no, they're not supposed to be that mean. So I, I, live in, I lived in Studio City at the time, and I would go to a Saturday in the Park meeting. It's at 2.30. It's still going on, probably. I'm on Zoom now. And I went to the meeting every week. I was single at the time. Saturday afternoon was perfect because I wasn't able to eat in between meetings at meals anymore. So I, even though that was never my abstinence, but I ate meals. I'll talk about my abstinence in a second. But anyway, I went to this meeting every week. I got to know a few people. And there was one lady I was very interested in having her sponsor me. She was a five pounder, five pounder. And I was a hundred pounder. I am a hundred pounder. And I asked her to sponsor me and all, she looked up at me and she said, I knew you were gonna ask me one day and I'm thrilled to sponsor you. So she took me through the steps so thoroughly, unbelievable foundation, unbelievable. This woman is, was amazing. When I tried to commit my food to her, she was too horrified to take it. So she would make comments that weren't, did not make me feel safe. For instance, she would point out to me, I ate yogurt. I never ate yogurt before program ever. Never knew what it was even. All of a sudden I'm eating yogurt. So she would say, you're eating enough for four people. Look at that, look at this table, there's four chairs. You're eating enough for every person on the, at the table. And it shamed me and I just never gave her my food again. It took a long time for me to commit my food again, but you know, she, that, she didn't know any better and I don't resent her for it, but that, it was not the right thing to do. But we worked the steps thoroughly. The fourth step 
the first time around was a beautiful experience. We did it by my fireplace at my condo. We um, had lunch together. We, you know, we broke it up during the day. It was just a beautiful experience. And I just followed the big book afterwards and got the big book down, read it, and thank God for an hour that, you know, that, you know, that I could go through this and was I thorough. So I did it the right way. And I did all the steps with her. I got to six and seven and that was really, it's my favorite steps. And then when I got to eight or nine, I have so many amends to make. <laughs> so I had a lot of amends to make, but you know, I got to there when I was ready to be there. So I made all my amends. I had some wonderful experiences. Um, one was I was looking for this lady for the longest time. I used to, she used to work for me and I was really mean to her. I was actually having sex with her boyfriend that also worked there. I was, you know, I could have gone to jail for this. I was older also. I was 35 when, 34 when that happened. And I, I you know, I think it's, I think that um, statute of limitations must be over by now. But anyway, but I, you know, I was improper. I, that's what I was. Anyway, so I made, I needed to make amends to her. Number one, that I was sleeping with her boyfriend, even though I didn't talk about that. I just made amends to her because I threatened to fire her all the time and I wasn't nice. So I could not find her. And one day on a Sunday, I was at the Self-Realization Center in um, Palisades, right near Santa Monica. And I'm meditating in the chapel on a Sunday morning. And I feel somebody's presence next to me and it was her. We went outside, I made my amends and she let me know that she happened to be in town. She moved to New Mexico. She happened to be in town just for the day because her brother was being buried that day and she came back into LA just for that Sunday. And that, that I knew God was right working in my life that day and every day. So um, it was just a beautiful experience. That's how I, that's, that's what happened. And that's working the steps. And then after I was sponsored by this lady for all the steps and for a while longer, we became friendly. It was very nice. Um, she decided to have a child and did not want to sponsor anymore. So I got another sponsor. I've been lucky enough to be sponsored by Maxine, who is one of the founders of OA. What an experience, what an honor. She sponsored, she, she mentored me all through the first 20 years of my program. And she sponsored me for maybe 10 of those years. It was a beautiful experience. I'm very grateful. Um, anyway, so I've, been, I've worked the steps like my life depends on it this whole time because it tells me in the big book that this is a, a disease that wants to kill me and I have to be super vigilant in order to not die. So nine years into the program, I'm going to talk about now pretty much, you know, in recovery. I Nine, nine years into the program, I met my husband, now husband. And we actually had a proper courting, engagement, wedding. We did things in order. We moved in together just before the wedding. It's the first time I ever had a proper um, relationship with a man, you know, and um, it's, it's pretty amazing. We, we got to know each other before we got serious. Uh, we wanted to make sure each other's characters were what we wanted. And it was just really nice to do it as, you know, I was how old, like 46 years old. And um, anyway, it was really nice to do it the, the way that I feel is proper. I don't judge anybody else how they do it, but for my, for me, I got to have a, a do I've had so many do-overs 
God has given me a lot of do-overs. So anyway, so I met my husband, nine years abstinent, working my program, we're having to work it harder. I actually had a dating sponsor because I did not know how to date the, you know, the way I wanted to show up. So I had somebody who helped me do that because I wasn't screwing around. You know, I wasn't gonna mess this up. So anyway, I, as I said, I had a normal wedding. It was a formal wedding with bridesmaids and the whole thing. But I have to tell you as an almost 300 pounder, I had no dreams to ever be married. I had no dreams of the white dress and the flower girls and the flowers and the colors and all that stuff. I had no idea. So I came at it. I got married three or four months before my 50th birthday. And I came at it through almost 50 year old person. It was not from childhood dreams. So I really got to stick with what I like now, not from dreams from before. And um, so now I'm married almost 19 years. I'm, 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 I'm 68 and a half years old. I've been absent 30, Monday I'll be 31 and a half years. And I live an abstinent life. And I wanna talk about my program right now, today. What I do in the morning, after I get up, I go in the bathroom and I weigh myself after I go potty. I, I, um, I weigh myself because Maxine would weigh herself every day. So I weighed myself every day. She taught me to do that. It's a reality check. I'm, a, I'm an adult. I, I use it for reality because I have no idea. With uh, being over 60, I don't have a metabolism anymore. So I have to really rely on that because I could eat a carrot and gain weight, you know, sometimes. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes I don't. So it's, it, just, it just helps me. We, my husband took me to the Caribbean for my 60th birthday. And I joke that I left my metabolism there because I, I, I haven't had one since I was 60. So I have weighed within one ounce pretty much of, um, I weighed when I, was when I was 60 years old to now. And I think it's too heavy, but it, it seems like that's where I'm supposed to be right now. So that's where I am. I'm never happy with it, no matter what it is. So um, anyway, so I get up, so I get up, we have, we have breakfast around 7 a.m. It's usually a half a cup of oatmeal and now that I have shingles, I can't even look at oatmeal. I can't look at red meat. Like there's things I can't look at. I don't know why, but I can't. So egg whites seem to be my thing. So that's what I've been doing. So I have a cup of egg whites in the morning or a smoothie. And it's a miracle because who could, you know, I'm a hundred pounder. I can't live on that, but I do. You know, I'm in bed. I've been in beds for a week now. So I'm almost out of bed, but not quite. So um, anyway. And then I go into my office, which I have in the at home, I'm very lucky. And I do my OA work, my step work, my spiritual work. And I write to my sponsor, I put down first my weight, what I ate yesterday, what I'm going to eat today. By the way, if I change my food at all, let's say if I, if I, if I commit an apple and I eat, I only have an orange in the refrigerator, I text her and let her know, so she knows. I'm accountable 1000% for my food. There's nothing that goes in my face that doesn't go on paper or text to her. Okay, and then the next thing is, is I write down what my abstinence is, which is I abstain from flour, chips, candy, and nuts. I also have a food plan that I write down what that is too, which is usually oatmeal in the morning. I eat lots of vegetables and fruits and protein. That's what I ate. There is probably nothing else in my diet besides that. Eggs, eggs, that's protein. 
So that's it. And um, yeah, that's it. I don't, I don't, I don't screw around with the sugar-free crap. I don't like any. I don't want to eat fake food. I don't want to do all that stuff. I just eat real, natural food. I weigh and measure most of it, most most of the time, except in restaurants and all that. So anyway, and then I write my tenth step, which is just all the crap that goes on in my head. My head's like a spinning around constantly, and I, I have to, I have to always write everything down because otherwise it'll just spin around. And then I write my whatever whatever book I'm writing in, you know, if it's step work, whatever it is. Right now I'm in the big book, and I'm on the doctor's opinion. I'm just on the the, the actual the pair. I want to write, read this the paragraph of my of my my dreams. All these and many others have one symptom in common: they cannot start drinking or eating without developing a phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire absence. I live this. I live it. I live it. And I... um. That to me is I could I could if I had a if I tattooed stuff I, I would tattoo that on me, and my second favorite thing that I always refer to, which I'm going to do real quick, the last sentence of the AA 12 and 12 step one, under the lash of alcoholism or compulsive overeating, we are driven to OA and there we discover the fatal nature of our situation. Then and only then do we become as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. So I am willing to do anything to lift the merciless obsession from myself. I've been, I've been in a meeting this morning. I'm in a meeting now. I do not, I'm not one of those people that live in meetings. I am one who does my program so I can have a regular life and be with regular people. I have a regular husband that eats normal. We have normal in the house that I don't touch. So I just want to say that I take this seriously because my life is really good now. I married a man with three kids. We have, and they're in their forties now. They have, we have five grandkids. I'm the, I'm the fun grandma. The other two grandparents are old buddy duddies. They're the same age as me exactly. And they're fuddy duddies. I married somebody who's very athletic, very fit, and we we match each other, which is a miracle because you saw where I come from. I come from almost 300 pounds. So I am so grateful. I have a relationship with God that beats nothing. The only thing that's more important to me than God is my abstinence. That's the most important thing in my life, bar none. I love my husband. He's my life. But my abstinence is more important than him. Because if I didn't have my abstinence, I wouldn't have him. I would not have a power greater than myself that has restored me to sanity. You know, it's just a miracle. It's a miracle that I could go and have a, a normal portion meal. It's a miracle. So I thank you for listening. I hope I said something that helped. And I really love outreach calls. I'm sitting in bed for a week and I'll be in bed for another few days. So please give a call anytime. Thank you. Not any time, by the way. Any time it's light outside. <laughs> Thank you very much.